coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Throw out the calendar, forget the groundhog. Nintendo decides when it's spring. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you this week, including an end date for Wii U and 3DS online play. And then on Thursday, we're kicking off Mario vs. Donkey Kong Month with an overview of the whole series. But Mark, in the meantime, how's it going? Oh, it's going so good. I am excited for another theme month. I feel like it's been a Me while since too. we've done one, and Mario yes. vs. Donkey Kong, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I, I think there's uh, there are going to be a lot of opportunities to do some like serious deep dives into video games and also like talk about whether bananas are better than coins. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think it's gonna be, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a rich month with, uh, you know, like really substantial podcasting and then also nonsense. Exactly. So everybody get your strongly held feelings about coins versus bananas because... Right. We're, we're going to be coming in hot. We're going to be diving into that so deep. Uh, blue coins versus blue bananas, which is better. You know, some of them disappear after a little bit, and the others are, can only be collected by Lanky. Is that right? Oh, man. Something to look forward to. Something talk, to look. Talk yes. about Lanky. We don't do that enough on the show. We don't talk about. And also, like, what is the Mario equivalent of Lanky Kong? I'm scared to find out, but excited. Yes. Uh, po- po- we'll just pose that question, question to the listeners right now. <laughs> they can get back to us with your answer. Um, Mark, we are uh, just going to be plugging the, the, the Patreon right here uh, up, up at the top, patreon.com slash Nintendo Cartridge Society, where if you are supporting us at the 8-bit or 16-bit levels, you get access to our once-a-month episodes of miniseries. We just put out our first episode of NCS Arcade. And it's a good one. We're talking mm-hmm. about... The Legend of Zelda, The Minish Cap. In NCS Arcade, we're going to be playing games that uh, neither of us have ever beaten before that are available on Nintendo Switch Online and Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack. And I've got to say, I feel a burden has been lifted off of me now that I have completed Minish Cap and it was great to talk to you about it. It's a really good episode. Right. We we filled in like some uh, some gaps in our Nintendo knowledge, right? Um, and then had a great conversation about like a fairly interesting entry in one of the most important series to Nintendo. It's a good listen. I'd, I'd say uh, check it out if you have any interest um, in that. And then uh, if you would like to uh, chat more about it, um, you can go to our Discord um, by getting an invitation from me. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. And we will send you an email, you click on a little link, and then bam, you're in the Discord. You can talk about uh, Minish Cap with everybody else, uh, or whatever else is going on. It's a good time in that Discord. Um, And then also one last plug before we get into the show proper here. I'm writing a book uh, on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's actually a series of books, uh, a series of source books, uh, the first of which comes out on February 21st. Mark, that's just a couple weeks away now. Ooh, I, th- man, uh, February is going to be a banger month. We got Mario versus Donkey Kong month. We got your <laughs> right. book, your Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh-huh. book coming out. Uh, it's going to be very good. 
Uh, and it's just issued. We got that Sora amiibo is also coming out. <laughs> um, but so if you are interested in my writing about the IDW Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles continuity, um, you know, pre-order uh, a copy of uh, issue number one comes out in February. Issue number two comes out in April. Um, and then uh, issues three and four will be out later in the year. And I'm sure I will talk about them then. Uh, all right, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. So truly most of what I spent my time uh, playing this week was The Legend of Zelda, the Minish Cap. Um, but you and I have talked at length about that. Uh, and the episode is available for uh, anyone subscribing at the 8-bit or 16-bit levels. So let's talk about what else we've been playing. Yeah, I have continued to make progress in another code recollection. Yeah. And so I, I beat the like first part of the game. And once you beat the first part of the game, it rolls right into the sequel. And I feel like... So interesting. Yeah, to, it to is. To be structured that way. Well, especially because the game's... Um, I mean, I'm not that far into the second part, but the second part is significantly better than the first. Like, uh. almost, like, immediately the writing is better, the world is more open, has a lot of, like, in the short amount of time that I've played, you begin to meet, like, interesting, fun characters. Um, the gameplay doesn't seem that different. It is funny to see, you know, the first entry was on the DS. And so, you know, you have this device that in the original game was a Nintendo DS lookalike. In this one, it's a Nintendo Switch lookalike. On the Wii version set, or the second game that never released in the United States, that the second half of Recollection is uh, like a remake of, um, there's, at least in this game, you get like a glove that lets you like manipulate things that I think is supposed <laughs> to be kind of like an analog for yeah, a, sure. you know, like a Wii, for a Wii remote. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I'm in I'm or enjoying the it. power glove. Or for the, it kind of it kind of looks like a power glove a little bit. Um, but yeah, like the the first the first half of it I enjoyed. I thought the writing was not very good, but um, I like liked the puzzle elements and all of that. And I thought the story turned out to be fairly interesting. The second one, it, it is just like elevated in basically all aspects yeah. but one thing you know last week we i was talking about the like is it worth the 60 dollars and i still hold that yes it is to a very specific audience but one thing i uh but we were also talking about how weird it is that this game that like this collection exists at all but yes. um two things struck me this week that i didn't talk about when like last week because i hadn't thought about it yet is one is that the Switch's audience, like there are so many Switches out there right now. Yeah. So like Nintendo can take a chance on something like this, and you know even if it sells to one percent of Switch users, it's still a ton. It's of, still a million uh, seller. It's yeah. still a million seller. And then the second thing is like, um, I didn't really give it much thought, but it's very rare that you have a game who the uh, the main protagonist of both games is a 14 and then 16 year old girl. Yeah. And like the game isn't about her being a girl or, you know what I mean? It's just like that yeah, is totally. the protagonist of the series. And that um just something you don't see often in video games at all. Uh, I would say uh, that like another thing that uh, these games, or at least the first one does that you don't see much in games is that uh, your best friend is a ghost who can't remember. <laughs> 
<laughs> their life. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I feel like yeah, that that's that's. Uh, I would say uncommon. You 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 have that plus it's a fourteen year old girl, and uh-huh. this is a pretty unique video game for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's um I I am really I I am struggling with uh, uh, another code, and I know I need to just like you know plow through uh, a, a like lengthier piece of it before i can like really start to be invested but like um when i play it's usually you know when i can get to it so it's like nighttime um and i play for like 20 25 minutes and mark i start to get sleepy yeah you know i'm gonna say i don't know that you do need to invest a lot of time in it like i like maybe it's just not for you and i don't mean that like flippantly i'm i mean that in the way that yeah. I think this game is not for everybody, especially the first part is really crusty in a lot of areas. And so, you know, it may just not be a good fit. I would not recommend this to everybody. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's fair. I do still want to make like an an honest uh, attempt uh, to get at least deeper into the game. I would like to experience the at least the beginning of the second game. Um it's weird that they don't let you just choose that. I it kind of makes or I uh, I thought the same thing, but it like I think it would be kind of weird to pl- I guess maybe not I, I don't know how it differs from the the Wii game, but this one is definitely like uh you literally roll right into the second half oh. of the game, and so having the context of the first game would be helpful. But I guess like not having that context wouldn't be the end of the world. They pretty much spell it out for you in the opening cutscene. You know, a- Ashley, the main character, is gives you a right. quick recap of the important stuff you needed to know. Um, I mean, I I always think about like you know, I'm I'm always of the opinion that like if you want to watch a new thing that's in a series or play a new thing that's that's in a series, like you're smart, they're gonna try to onboard you. Like you're probably fine to skip the the original stuff if what you really want is to like participate in the new thing. But I always think about. <laughs> uh, my my friend Hannah, her brother went to see um, the Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers, without having seen <laughs> the the first movie or knowing anything about Lord of the Rings, and I feel like that was probably a mistake. The beginning of that movie is funny to me because they like kind of nod to trying to do that, like they're swooping over the mountains, and you hear a bunch of voices being like, "No," and "You shall yeah. not pass." But but then it like just throws you into this uh, Balrog versus Gandalf fight where it's like oh okay <laughs> I guess I just gotta like figure out what's going on here. That's really funny. Um. Uh. But so I mean, like I I am truly like an hour into uh the the, the first game. How how long do you think it took you to get through uh the, the first half? Oh man, I want to say maybe like six hours, seven hours, something okay. like that. All right. Uh, and and you're you're trying to release me of the responsibility of playing this, but I'm not letting myself <laughs> be released. Hey, I've done my part. <laughs> um, are are you excited to embark on the second half of the game? I am. Yeah, I I'm excited to see it through. Um, I have I liked the first part, and the second part, even in just the maybe hour that I've played, feels like a big improvement. So I think I'll enjoy it too. And I don't think it's going to be very long. So that's like yeah, the other piece yeah. of it. Um, all right. Well, that's what we've been, what we have been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Probably not that much on this list. Um, 
There's not much here in truth. No. Wednesday, January 31st, Eastward Octopia DLC is released. Yeah, and we saw the the Octopia DLC uh, in like a Indie World Showcase, I think, or maybe it was a Nintendo Direct. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, Eastward was that sort of um, it's like a post-apocalyptic setting, kind of a Secret of Mana like um that uh, I, I messed around with for a little bit and it seemed cool, uh, but I couldn't really get uh super far into it. And, and Oct- the Octopia DLC is almost like farming simulator stuff. So like. You know, uh, eastward comes to Stardew Valley, um, which, uh, the, hey, that's that, that's a, a a cool pairing of stuff. Yeah, I never I never really checked out Eastward, but I remember your like early impressions of it. Um, I feel like the other notable thing maybe is that there is a big sale going on in the U.S. eShop, the Jumpstart January sale, where a bunch of first party and I think. Also, third-party Nintendo games are yep. at a pretty good discount. Some indie games in there. Um, there in the Discord, there was talk of like Disney Illusion Island, which Patrick, you and I were interested in, but neither of us picked up. Is currently twenty-seven ninety-nine versus forty, the regular price. Always a good time to buy Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. Yes. Uh, the but you can, it's especially when it's a little bit cheaper, which it is right now. <laughs> yeah, it's twenty-seven ninety-nine by itself, and if you get like the bundle with special episode. It's thirty two eighteen. Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Love that game. Thirty nine ninety nine. Uh, there's also uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, I just wanted to speak to the uh, special episode of um, uh, Captain Tre- Treasure Tracker. Unless you are a uh, Treasure Tracker completionist, I don't think it's necessary. Hmm. Good to know. That that's the one that when they like. What did they? Is it? It's just like a small chapter that they added. It's really when they small. On yeah, it's 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 really really short. Um, and I I think, I I you can play the uh, New Donk City levels um without it. So like, uh, you know the the fun like the new stuff that they added from the Wii U is already in there. So you you don't need oh, a special episode to got to access like what's genuinely special about the re-release. You know, I was torn, so I was looking at this list and I was about to pick up uh this was earlier in the week on uh Disney Illusion Island and then I did. I did pick up Disney Illusion Island. Well, I saw that It Takes 2 was on sale as well and I've heard mm. really good things about that. And so I decided to pick up It Takes 2, but Patrick, maybe we're just uh unconsciously prepping ourselves for that co-op month that we've been threatening yeah, for so long. That's right, which won't happen in February because February <laughs> is Mario versus Donkey Kong month. That's right. Uh, but, but could could still happen. At any time. Uh, I, I don't know if it's technically part of the uh, Jumpstart January sale, but part-time UFO was also on sale, um, which, you know, the game is normally like seven or eight bucks, so I got it for like five forty nine or something. Um, but part-time UFO is a cool, uh, game that's, uh, it's, uh, HAL game, right? Yep. Um, that was originally on, uh, mobile and is, uh, you play like a, a, a UFO with like a, a crane game sort of mechanic. Um, and you are, uh, just like doing little tasks around the world in these like discrete little challenges. And the game was super fun on, uh, on iPhone and I played it a lot there. Um, and I know that there's a bunch of new like puzzles and content and stuff, costumes, what have you in the switch version. Uh, and so I always, uh, wanted to pick it up. Um, and then with the announcement of the sale, like I, you know, I had it wish listed, uh, And so I was notified and, uh, I, I picked it up. Nice. 
Was there anything else on, on the list that you wanted to shout out? You mentioned Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot on sale right now. So uh, definitely worth perusing if you're in the mood for something new. There was a moment where I was like, uh, maybe I'll, I'll save this. I'll, I'll save this for uh, the news because we're talking about Splatoon there. Um, but uh, Splatoon 3 is also part of that that sale if, if you are interested in jumping in uh, now as we're getting to the release of the DLC. Um, all right. Uh, those are the new releases. Let's close that out. Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, where a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So for the duration of one performance, 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, what are we talking about today? Today we are going to be ranking... The beverages. The beverages. Yes. Uh, which uh, feels like a very broad category. Because it is. Okay. Uh, where, where, where are we? We've got, we're using something for guidance here, yes? Yeah. So on eatthisnotthat.com, there's an article from, uh, let's see, September 2020. So cast your mind back. Oh, boy. And uh, <laughs> they, they are using a... Cyanide. <laughs> <laughs> they are using a Statista report uh, mm-hmm. where people in America ranked their favorite beverages. So we have 12 uh, favorite beverages. And I think we're going to compare where America had it in 2020 and uh-huh. where we personally would rank it. Higher or lower. I like... I, I like that you specified um, people in America and not necessarily Americans, but just people who were in America at the time the survey was conducted. Yeah, or using a VPN to stream Netflix from Canada <laughs> or go. something. You know. Uh huh. Yeah, it's it's smart. <laughs> okay, so number twelve, mm-hmm. twelve out of twelve is alcoholic spirits at one percent. At consumption share is one percent. Now here's what I don't know: is consum- yeah. is consumption share the the like share of beverages that one person drank or is it it must be because i feel like more than one percent of Of all liquids consumed in america people in america (laughs) by people in america including tourists Uh um would be spirits doesn't that seem low well i mean does does spirits just mean like liquor or does it mean alcohol of any kind like, uh, well, beer is its and, and cider is its own category. Okay, all so right. It seems so seems to be hard liquor. Hard liquor. So and so we're also saying not wine. I would say if we combine like wine, beer, cider, spirits, then then we start to get higher than one percent. One percent actually kind of seems high when you think about it. Oh, I see what you're saying because maybe most people, maybe a lot of people drink wine, maybe a lot of people drink beer, but yeah. Not that many well, people are necessarily and, yes mixed up. And also, cocktail. just just by volume, when you have a cocktail, um, wh- what is that like? Maybe a quarter booze, maybe probably less. Right. So this brings me to my to my original question. This list must be like everybody has a pie chart, and it's like how much did yes. you did you drink this thing? And spirits is like a very small part of it, which is good. Yeah. This is good news. This is good news. Yeah. yeah. No, I think I think it is appropriately ranked at number twelve. We have to move on to the next one because we spent so much time. 
<laughs> talking about spirits. <laughs> Number 11 is value-added water, which to me is a very funny way of saying, like, vitamin water or, sure. you know, uh, wh- what's another example of... Um, I mean, it, does does Gatorade fall into this category? Uh, maybe it... No, it doesn't. Sports drinks okay. is its own thing. Okay, but still, like, some sort of vitamin water. My, the, my biggest impression of, uh, like, from vitamin water is that they uh, sponsored all of season two of Gossip Girl. So there was vitamin water everywhere on that show. Uh, the consumption share is 1.3%. So people are, like, basically drinking it the same as much as spirits. Is that true in your own life, Patrick? Uh, no, I don't drink vitamin water uh, really at all. So smart water I'll, I'll drink. But I kind of just am, like, drinking that as though it's water because it is. <laughs> Okay, and next is energy drinks at number 10. Another 1.3% consumption share. This one mm. would be low for me. I don't think I ever drink energy drinks. Yeah, me neither. All right, number nine is wine at 1.6%. I feel like okay. w- water's going to do well. Feel feels like we're teeing up to water <laughs> w- doing water, well. Water's going to do really well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so number eight is sports drinks, and this is 2.8%. And this makes sense to me. Because a lot of people play sports, and so they're like, "I want a sports." That's true. Drink. That's true. Me, I drink wine. Wine for me goes above uh, a sports drink. It's true. You uh, play, you know, like a pickup game of basketball, and then you are bringing out the wine. Oh yeah, no. Uh, well, I'm 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 bringing out like a box of wine because <laughs> they don't uh, allow glass on the court. So, uh, sports drinks number eight, two point eight percent. You know, I kind of lost track of what we were doing, but fun to <laughs> f- but fun to talk about beverages nonetheless. It is it is fun. It is in fact fun to talk about beverages. Uh, let's put a pin in this one. I feel like we should come back and finish the list next week. That sounds good. Uh, all right. Um, we were accompanied today by a timer on my phone that I think I stopped successfully, but we may hear it again in another four minutes. Um, Mark, let's get into the news. All right, Switch 2 rumors are beginning to come from every corner. Yeah. And this is exciting. So the latest one is from industry analyst Hiroshi Hayasi. And uh, in a new report through Omdia, which I think is like, you know, there are a lot of these firms that they track suppliers of components. So like, you know, you have people reporting on the new iPhone because this company is beginning to... Uh, you know, like sort ramp up production of a certain product. And it yeah. seems like that's where this is coming from as well. But Hayasi suggests that the next Switch will sport an 8-inch LCD screen and that the hardware, hardware will launch this year. Um, he cites info from Sharp that they are providing the screens to a manufacturer that has assembled systems for Nintendo in the past. So a lot of assumptions, no confirmation. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, I mean, uh, uh, assumptions and, uh, like, uh, uh, assertions of fact. Sharp is providing 8-inch uh, LCD screens to a manufacturer that has made Nintendo systems. That is fact. Um, but everything else is sort of uh, conclusions drawn from that fact. But assuming this is true, uh, an 8-inch LCD screen, like, the base switch is 6.2 inches. The switch OLED is 7 inches. So this is a... You know, um, it's a chunky system, yeah. A, ch- a chunky system, yes. Um, eight inch is the size of the PlayStation Portal. So if you, if Mark, if you would like to uh, see the PlayStation Portal uh, in, in your own hand to get a gauge on how big the uh, new Nintendo Switch might be, we can arrange that. Um, but uh, yeah, it, 
I wonder because so the the PlayStation Portal um, is big, but it's also very light because there are no guts in the thing, right? Like it's just the screen, um, the ability to stream to it, and um, uh, and like you know halves of a dual sense controller on on either side. Um, but like, uh, and I guess I suppose there's a battery in there too. Um, but like it it can't do any processing on its own, um, and the Switch is probably going to need to do that um unless we're seeing i mean i i i, I don't know you know we, we, there there are other explanations for what this eight inch screen could be for um but uh yeah i don't know what 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 conclusions are you drawing from uh from all of this i mean i feel like it kind of makes sense in the same way that phone screens have just consistently got gotten larger it makes yeah. sense to me that the next switch would also be larger. And in doing that, it probably gives them flexibility in uh, additional components, whether that's for some feature we don't, you know, like that'll surprise us or even just like a larger battery. You know what I mean? So sure. And so I'm, I'm not really surprised. I'm also not really surprised that it's an LCD screen and that we're not seeing them do like an OLED screen. Like I feel this all just gives them a ton of flexibility for uh an oled version of this in the future or a smaller you know like switch to light like that sort of thing yeah yeah uh, and that's and th th that that is a really good point i wonder how uh it, it is so weird because like i i've you know i love my uh switch oled i think uh playing games on it in handheld mode uh is really like sharp and clean um and i do feel like i'm going to miss that in uh you know, up, up like actually upgrading to the the, the new console with a, an inferior but bigger screen. Um, uh, I just uh, I don't know. I'm I'm already sort of dreading like the transition, not feeling special, but feeling like a the a dulling of the Switch experience. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what like the resolution is. Um, because you definitely don't want it to be like a 3ds XL experience where it was nice to have the right. larger screen, but the image quality kind of suffered because the pixels just got bigger. Yeah, yeah, ab absolutely. But yeah, I mean, I guess it does feel like, and we've been saying this for a few months, but it does feel like Switch Two stuff is really heating up. It it does it definitely feels like uh it, things are heating up. We are uh you know probably just a a week or two away from there being a a new Nintendo Direct. Um, you know, uh, Sony just announced that they're doing a, a state of play, um, this week on, on Wednesday. Um, and, you know, I sort of expect Nintendo to take, not take their cue from that, but like, you know, it is the season, right? Um, uh, and that will likely get n more Nintendo news. I still don't expect to hear anything about the new Switch at like whatever Nintendo Direct comes up here in February. Do you? No, I don't. And it, I think it'll be really, it'll be interesting to see how they choose to release information about it whenever it happens. You know, with the Switch, we got a teaser video. And then a few, couple months later, we got like a live presentation. And right. that's kind of like Nintendo was deep into the Nintendo Direct era and they still decided to do it live. I wonder if they will feel the need to do that for the Switch 2. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it's good for building hype, but also kind of bad for, well, not bad, but just sort of, like, unnecessary. Like, you don't need to demonstrate what's new about the Switch 2, really, right? Like, in, Unless you do, and there's something crazy yeah. that we don't that we don't know. I don't know. It, some of it also felt like, I mean, yes, was it great to see Koizumi 
you know, hold, casually holding two Joy-Con as he lounged on a couch. But an image which will live in my mind forever. There's that. There's the Splatoon uh, guy in like the coat, like making the number two out of his body. Um, and then uh, uh, is it Suda? Yeah. Uh, F- 51 who's in, in there. Um, like just being a, a, a grand old weirdo and the uh, translator not being able to keep up with him. Yeah. I mean, look, for uh, selfish reasons, I definitely want it to be live again. <laughs> for sure. A hundred percent. But yeah. Uh, I also, you know, coming out of the Wii U and they were announcing this big thing, like, I I think right. the, pres- the pressure is a different kind of pressure on them this time versus, like, the Wii U to Switch transition felt like they had to bring the goods. Um, do you think that we are living in any kind of world where um, what we're gearing up to get now is truly just like uh, a Switch XL? Like, that it's not actually a, like, it can be a little bit more powerful, uh, you know, just have, like, a little more RAM in it or something, um, have a bigger screen, but, like, genuinely be the same system. That would be kind of funny if that turned out to be true. Like, it was an OLED versus Switch Pro all over again. Yeah. Um, but I I really don't think it's likely just because, you know, the Switch has been out for a long time and sales are beginning to fall off like yeah, yeah you know i i and i don't know that a uh a just kind of like refresh i mean maybe yeah sure maybe you get that as i don't know a way for nintendo to kind of goose sales when the switch 2 comes out and so they like retire the other versions and now they just have this eight inch switch but to me it feels more likely that it's it's uh we're getting set up for a true successor yeah, I mean that that I, that's the most likely scenario. But like, I don't know. I, I, betting on Nintendo uh, fulfilling the most likely scenario is never smart. Yep. Um. So like, I don't know. I'm I'm still waiting for the day that they're like, yep. Uh, and so what what we're doing is we're announcing this sort of like legacy Switch with the bigger screen. It's the Switch XL and our dumb new thing, which we're you know is we're we're st- we're doing pillars again. Uh-huh, um, yeah. Uh, and you know now you'll want to play everything on a game sphere, and it's a ball that rolls around on your table, and it's uh, the whole thing is a screen, uh, and you two plays inside it every night. Um, you know, like I, it's I I just uh I just like let's. All hold on to our butts here as we uh, go into uh, a, a new year of Nintendo hardware. I always a good plan for sure. Nintendo is ending online play for the Wii U and 3DS on April eighth at four p.m. Pacific time. Ooh, date and time. Yeah, back in October they had warned us that this was coming, but now we know the official date and time. I mean, some games are already ending earlier. Steel Diver Sub Wars on the 3DS is already offline. Uh, but really, like, it never, really what they're saying is it never came back online. There was emergency maintenance that brought it down last September. Oh, right. And now right. they're just like, sorry, Sub Wars is not, it's, the online's not coming back for the next couple months. So let me ask you this. Can, we can still play uh, The Legend of Zelda Triforce Heroes um, until April 8th? Uh, online, yes. Locally, I can't imagine, I don't think there's any reason why we couldn't continue to play locally uh, yeah. forever and ever and all time. Uh yeah, uh, until we die. <laughs> um, uh, but but so we we can we can play it online now for a couple more months. I believe that's true. Yeah, cool. Also, uh, Pokemon Bank and Poke Transporter are safe for now. They said someday you should expect it to go offline, but it, it those will not go offline when the Wii U and 3DS online do in April. 
I love that Pokemon is big enough that they're like, here are some policy decisions. And of course, it doesn't apply to Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, because we are, because we're not crazy. Right, yes. <laughs> um, Splatoon 3 Side Order DLC has a release date of February 22nd. Nintendo juking us out a little bit, because last we heard it was planned for spring 2024. So I would consider this a little early. I would also consider this early. It is not uh it is not spring until uh March, right? Like technically speaking. I think that's true, yeah. Um so th- this is a little early. Uh I I'm glad that they like have it in a place where they uh feel comfortable putting it out uh on this schedule. Mark, I have to ask you, we talked about it a little bit in the Discord, but does this fall under the list of things that I need to buy because it is a product Nintendo is putting out this year? interesting um because like the dlc was technically released like the ability to purchase it was technically available last year but just the fact that side order is coming out not by itself like you can't buy side order by itself you have to buy the dlc pack does it count um because the it's not it's not that i have to buy everything that uh nintendo first made available for purchase this year but things they put out this year which makes me think that yes i do need to buy uh side order yeah uh well putting on my lawyer hat for a second Thank which you. i am uh legally not allowed to do anymore right you've been disbarred from hat wearing <laughs> in that's california right. that's right um i think uh, well ultimately i whatever you decide i will support you 100 percent. i just want you to coward. know that you're a coward <laughs> but but the second Decide. thing the second thing is uh-huh. that yeah, I do think you have to buy it. Okay, good. Yeah, that's that's uh, that, that that's what I think as well uh, and I'm going to do it. Um uh yeah, I'll 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 do it. I guess it doesn't really matter when I do it, but I just have to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's right. No, that's actually a really good point. So, if you need to like get a spreadsheet out and budget this over a year, like it may not be a terrible idea if, you know, 2024 is as crazy as we think it's going to be. Here's a question for you. And again, yeah. I support your decision no matter mm-hmm. what it is. But yes. what if what if like when they release new merch on the Nintendo store online, like they're like, hey, here's a new hoodie of No, I don't I don't need to do that. Okay. It, 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 it needs to be like game hardware or software, I guess, oh. is, is is what it boils down to. And for the purposes of this, uh, uh amiibo count as uh hardware. Yeah. Um cool. Also, I just wanted to loop back around to you uh maybe teasing me by saying I needed a budget spreadsheet. If you think I don't have a spreadsheet for Nintendo products that are coming out in 2024, you are dead wrong. Uh it lists my status of uh owning them, pre-ordering them, where I have the pre-order, how much I spent on it, and so on. Um uh and I just need to add side order DLC to that spreadsheet. Yeah, I love that. And this is just another example of why I have been disbarred from wearing my lawyer hat <laughs> in California. Yeah, they don't let you make fun of Excel spreadsheets. They just egg, don't. Egg on my face, for sure. <laughs> Square Enix. Oh, so this is this is old. But I wanted to talk about it. I thought it was interesting. So Square, the, uh, Square Enix had like released their financial results like last November or something. And during that time they had a Q and a, but it, it didn't start circulating in English until this month. And even at the point, this point I'm like two weeks late to it, but you know, in, in it, they talk about three things. So strengthening internal dev resources. They talk about how there are, you know, they outsource a lot of it to third parties and the need to develop more in-house Two, mm-hmm. improving their marketing 
and three, less titles but higher quality. And kind of like dr drilling down into that third one, uh, one of the people on the call asks, why have you been unable to slim down your lineup until now? And the, I think it's the CEO, I'm sorry, I didn't write this part down, but like responds, as our customers' needs and the types of devices devices available have diversified, we have tried to produce hits by developing a wide variety of titles rather than by focusing only on certain ones. I believe that this has resulted in the splintering of our resource pool. Meanwhile, there have been clear winners and losers among the major titles released recently in the gaming market, and it has become possible for even indie titles to make their presence felt. The market is increasingly polarized between blockbuster and indie titles, but I feel that we have developed many titles that fell somewhere in the middle. I want to make clear distinctions going forward. Uh, yeah, well, that that is interesting and like oh, totally a space that Square Enix does occupy in a way that not many developers do, where it's like they will make the highest, uh, you know, quality of like AAA games. Like that's what uh, Final Fantasy 16, 16 is. Um, and then they do make these sort of like indie plus uh, caliber games. Or like, uh, how how do you how do you classify like Octopath Traveler two, right? Like it's somewhere between a triple A game and an indie game. Right. And, you know, like last year, I feel like by the end we were kind of joking, oh, and here's Square Enix's ninety-sixth ninety-sixth title right. for the Switch. Right. And, you know, because they had a lot of just like mid-tier, like double A titles that were just kind of like surprises. It'd be like, oh, I didn't even know this existed until, you know, somebody posted right. about or and so my initial uh, response to this was worry because to me it sounded like the strategy that a lot of Hollywood studios have right now where it's like well we're just going to make a couple of things and they have to be they have to be billion dollar movies because if they're not we're screwed like we don't right. we don't right. make anything that if it makes like a hundred million we're fine everything has to be the biggest movie in the world and I worry about Square Enix getting into that space. But at the same time, I think they're right that what choice do they have? Like some of those mid-tier titles that you were that we were talking about, like you're right, Patrick. It's like, what is the difference between this and a more polished indie title? Right. Yeah. But like that 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 is honestly the space that I don't want Square Enix to give up. Like that 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 level of game that um Octopath uh Traveler that bravely default to um even like the Theatrhythm Final Fantasy or you know like a, a lot of that stuff is like uh very like interesting and I like seeing the Square Enix level of polish on something like that um that like I I don't want them to I don't want them to give it up you know yeah I mean I do wonder if th that's the like if Octopath Traveler two is the like um, caliber of games they're talking about? I'm trying to look up some of the titles of games yeah, that were like released. What, like, what do they mean? Yeah, last year, right? Because there was like, I mean, one I liked, Paranormal Sight, The Seven Mysteries of Hanjo, which is like that point and click adventure game. But then there, you know, there were a bunch that it was like, um, oh, I, I don't know. I am like having difficulty finding the titles, but I just feel like Harvest Stella you know, is an example of yeah, one. Yeah, that's a good point. Where, you know, like, is that the caliber of game that they're talking about? Because I can see how that would be a problem for them if they're putting out, or like those King of, what were they called? Like King of Cards? Like an interesting idea, but did they right. sell anything? 
Like, but like that 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 king of card like the king of cards games that feels more like them in their sort of indie bag, right? Like that's on like the much lower scale. What's weird is like they also had um like the AAA flops as well. Like Forspoken was a big uh, stinker for them. Um, so like yeah, I it's it, it it's just weird to um it, it's a weird game that that they have to predict of like something that they spend a ton of money on having to sell super well um it seems impossible yeah it really does feel like a damned if you do damned if you don't because i understand the strategy of less games more focus higher quality but then uh if one of those you know games misses and then it seems like you're in you're really in a world of hurt. But of course if you're spending all these resources to make these double A games that don't sell anything, I don't know that you're any better off. Yeah, that's true. I mean it's it, it's uh uh I, I was just looking up the uh the box office for um the new Indiana Jones movie, Dial of Destiny, and you know, it made or its gross was uh three hundred eighty four million dollars, which like could be a decent sized hit, but like the budget for that was like two hundred thousand dollars or something like that uh and then with marketing on top of it means they lost money um on uh dial of destiny um so like yeah those those big swings uh even though like you pump a lot of money to it and you're like money makes it good uh it doesn't always mean that you get a return on that i also think uh to my mind they again i understand why they're like we should target the playstation 5 the PlayStation 4 was an enormous mm-hmm. success. You know, like, we want to make games for an audience that is, like, like worldwide. So let's focus. But um, I don't know if the Nintendo Switch sold a ton of, like, a, you yeah. know? Like, and so, I yeah, I, I don't know. I really do think they're in a tough spot. I think we talk about, like, Nintendo's ebbs and flows and peaks and valleys. And... Square Enix goes through a lot of the same thing. They really struggled at the beginning of the PlayStation 3 era. They got their stuff together. And now it feels like they're in another era of not having a lot of direction. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting. I wonder, like, um, what where that perspective sort of comes from, too. Because, like, um, you know, when uh, Crystal Dynamics put out the Avengers game a couple of years ago and Eidos Montreal put out the um uh guardians of the galaxy games uh those were under square enix uh ownership and leadership um and those are both like uh big triple a games that uh i mean i guess i don't really uh have a, a sense of like how financially successful they were other than that like i know guardians like underperformed and avengers uh underperformed on like a critical level uh, i'm not really sure on on a commercial level um but yeah i mean it, it almost seems like the lesson for square enix should be like do more small stuff <laughs> i know yeah it, it just feel like i it's it feels like a tough spot to be in it really yeah. it really does it really does like they're being squeezed <laughs> on both sides yeah uh and it's also like uh they they will never stop having uh huge games to put out like there's always going to be a final fantasy 16 there's always going to be uh, another chapter in the final fantasy 7 remake saga there's always going to be another kingdom hearts you know like um, they they've got those those big levers to pull for sure. Yeah, yeah. They do talk about the strength of their like intellectual properties. I wonder what the lessons from Final Fantasy 16 are going to be. I I mm-hmm. don't know. You know, again, just like with um, uh, Avengers, I I feel like it was it. Uh, well, maybe even better than Avengers. Like critically, it, Final Fantasy 16 t- seemed to do okay, 
Yeah. And I know people who played it and really liked it, but it didn't really seem to make any impact culturally. And yeah, it's 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 weird because I, I I feel like it. I mean, you know, whatever. Last year was a tough year for video games to come out in, right? Like there were just so many uh, huge, great, uh, great ones. Um, but I, I think it suffered from being a, a PlayStation Five exclusive. Um, like if it were also on Xbox, I think it would have been open to a lot, uh, uh you know, an, an an audience that it it wasn't available to otherwise. And you know, who who knows how long these uh, things are actually exclusive. Um, but like the Final Fantasy VII remake games are exclusive to uh, PlayStation and still are. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Um, it, I, it would be my hope for Square Enix to get that off of um, just PlayStation. Yeah, I, I guess what I feel like is Square Enix is they are in this kind of hard spot to be in where they're trying to make games that they think people want. Yeah, it's right. Like Final Fantasy 16. We don't know what Dragon Quest 12 is going to be, but it certainly um, has been talked about of the air of like, you know, we're going a little darker, right. you know, kind of Game of Thronesy. Exactly. To like broaden the appeal. And I just don't feel like it really worked out for Final Fantasy 16. So, yeah, I think I think that's accurate. Um, it's a uh, nope. Thought I had some. <laughs> thought I had something. <laughs> I do not. Well, if it comes to you, definitely interrupt me. You got it. Uh, next month, Nintendo is publishing two concerts originally planned for Nintendo Live Tokyo. The Legend of Zelda or- Orchestra concert will go live on YouTube on February 9th at 5 a.m. Pacific time. And then Splatoon 3 Deep Cut will be posted the next day on February 10th. These were originally planned for Nintendo Live in Japan. That was supposed to happen around this time, but in December, Nintendo canceled it, citing threats against employees and participants. Weird. Yeah, disappointing. And then the 2024 World Championships for many Nintendo games like Splatoon 3, Smash Ultimate, and Mario Kart were delayed as well. Um, So, uh, you know, ultimately, like, uh, a a bad thing to uh, have to do, but kind of neat that we get access to uh to these concerts um uh they're 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 not streaming them they're just like posting them so you can yeah yeah that that appears to be the case my guess is like they were they had months ago booked these orchestras you know and these bands and so they're like well no reason not to just like go through with it and then post these online well i I mean except for that um like the difference when you are hiring an orchestra or a band to do a live performance versus a live performance that you're streaming and or like publishing in perpetuity for people to access whenever um and maybe it's a little bit different with uh uh, musicians unions in uh japan but like in the united states that's a big deal um and like compensation changes like dramatically based on what what you're doing with the concert yeah, uh, if it's like other Nintendo concerts that they publish online, they do pull them down after a certain amount of time. Got it. Yeah. Um, like the Kirby like 30th anniversary one, that was up for a limited amount of time, and then they take them down. So I expect that'll be the same for this. Okay. But all those concerts are are fun and cool, and so I definitely recommend uh, checking them out when they start streaming. Uh, and there's no chance we're going to get a holographic DJ uh, KK in one of these things? I would say that it's possible. Never All right. n- never count never count out KK Slider. Last week Nintendo released a new trailer for Princess Peach Show Princess Peach Showtime showing off two new transformations in the game, the Ninja Transformation and the Cowgirl Transformation. 
Yeah, and let me tell you, people could not keep their cool about the phrase cowgirl peach. Yes, um, yes, that is true. Also, I, uh, and this is probably a bad look for me, but I was like, wasn't there already a ninja one? Didn't, wasn't that part of the original announcement? But it is not. There was a kung fu peach in the original yes. announcement, but this is a ninja peach, much more stealthy. Yeah. I think. Yeah, ni- and Ninja I- implies some like uh, less scrupulous, right? Uh, that she's like uh-huh. sneaking out, assassinating people. people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it. Uh, I-, I liked seeing both these transformations. Uh, I still am kind of like, what is this game moment to moment? Um, when do I transform? Do I transform at my will, or is it just like this level? You are uh, the 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 count girl, uh, and you're going to use the lasso. And does she have guns? That's a good question. I I would guess no. I would guess they're not going to give Princess Peach guns yet. They have to save something for the sequel. Yeah, that uh, what what a great point. The hat that Cowgirl Peach wears, it's a big cowboy hat, uh, and it's got horns on it. It's very fun. It's um, very fun. This game looks really fun. I I kind of share your same confusion over what this game is and what how it plays because there are so many transformations is each one just going to feel kind of like a shallow, short experience. Right. Um, but it also feels like we will probably not have to wait that much longer to get a full blowout on what this is. Yeah. Uh, also, so that game releases on March 22nd, but Nintendo is also releasing some new Joy-Con on March 22nd, a pastel pink Joy-Con uh, that they're saying is going to be available for a limited time. Uh, and this is, uh, you know, both both Joy-Con are the same color. They're this pastel pink. Um, this color of left Joy-Con, I believe, was previously sold with the uh, pastel yellow um, uh, as as the right Joy-Con. And uh, it is amazing how much... It's the exact same color. Like, you can compare them. They're, they're the same color. Um, but it is amazing how much more attractive it is with another pink Joy-Con uh, instead of with uh, a pastel yellow. Yeah, and when uh, you and I were talking about how this seems... Like, I'm glad they're releasing these. Actually, I guess I'm indifferent to them releasing these. But uh, it seems like a good opportunity for, like, a special edition Switch. 100%. Yeah, it's... Uh, uh, I mean, when we were talking about... When we did our ABCs of Nintendo DS, you know, we, we talked a lot about how those, like, three initial colors for the uh, DS Lite, the white, the black, and the pink um, are, are so, like, instrumental to uh, your ability to, like, pick it up and, like, opt into an aesthetic. Um, and it's just crazy that there hasn't been a... I guess there's, like, the coral pink DS Lite, um, but to, to not have, uh, like, regular Joy-Cons in, like, a, a pink kind of color, um, it feels like they were just missing a market for a little bit. Yeah. But uh, I am happy to know that this is on your spreadsheet, though. It's on my spreadsheet. I have pre-ordered them. Uh, I uh, was stressed out about it for a little bit, but the, I, I, I got them. Excellent. Speaking of special Joy-Con, Yacht Club Games has teamed up with Captain Alex to make two pairs of officially licensed Shovel Knight Joy-Con. One set is Shovel Knight and King Knight themed, and the other set is Plague Knight and Spectre Knight themed. Each set is $165, and they're only taking pre-orders for 1000 of each set. So... Not a lot of them, asking a lot of money <laughs> for them. Um, and I, Mark, am I crazy or are these not that good looking? <laughs> I, I, like I, find, I find the colors to be a little repulsive, I guess. Oh, yeah. I kind of like the, do you know, they remind me of like 
I have Joy-Con in these colors, I think, or very similar colors, like the uh, green and pink ones I got for, like, they were like the Splatoon 2 themed ones, I oh, believe. Oh, yeah, sure. And then these blue and yellow were just another pair that I picked up when my Splatoon ones started getting, uh, started drifting. But I can't oh. tell if, like, the, these are a little more muted, and so I can't tell if these are different or it's just the lighting or what the deal is, but they look like very similar colors. Yeah, I, I, I wonder. Like, I, I was trying to uh, drill drill down into uh, Captain Alex and actually, like, what the deal with that company is. Um, so, like, I can't tell if these are just uh, Joy-Con that they, like, printed. Because the, there's also, in addition to them being, like, these colors, there's sort of, like, graphics that uh, represent the knights themselves. And I think those line drawings are really cool. Um, uh, and so I, I can't really tell if it's just that, like, sort of printed over existing Joy-Con or what this is exactly. Yeah, the fact that it's officially licensed. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Officially licensed from Yacht Club Games. I, th I think not from Yacht Club, yeah, exactly. I see. So the characters are licensed from Yacht Club, not, like, officially licensed. They weren't like, hey, Nintendo, sell us 2,000 pair of Joy-Con and allow us to, like, do this thing. I mean, that may also be true, but uh, I, for, for the purposes of my buy everything from Nintendo this year, I am not counting these Joy-Con uh, because these feel like uh, Yacht Club slash uh, uh, Captain Alex products and not Nintendo products. I agree with that, but this is not legal advice. <laughs> well, and take off that hat, sir. <laughs> Sorry, I put it back on. I think. <laughs> between between segments yeah you did you did i don't because i think i took it off at some point yeah yeah you weren't wearing it the whole time okay. uh last e it just feels so comfortable so natural it feels it's hard <laughs> to take it off last episode we talked about pal world uh the kind of like poke it's like a uh it's more like a survival <laughs> survival game that has some pokemon aesthetics um and weather and it sold like 8 million copies at last count. It's probably much more than that at this point. And the question was whether we would see the Pokemon company take any action against them for their so close to being Pokemon, but yet not quite uh, character yes. design. And the Pokemon company was clearly tired of getting asked about it because they released a statement saying, quote, we have received many inquiries regarding another company's game released in January 2024. <laughs> We have not granted any permission for the use of Pokemon intellectual property or assets in that game. We intend to investigate and take appropriate measures to address any acts that infringe on intellectual property rights related to the Pokemon. We will continue to cherish... This is my favorite part of the whole thing. So we, will we will continue to cherish and nurture each and every Pokemon and its world and work to bring the world together through Pokemon in the future. Yeah, really going wide at the end of that <laughs> statement, right? <laughs> I mean, this is this is sort of predictable. I guess the the part of it that's like that makes me uh, like kind of roll my eyes on behalf of humanity is the opening. We have received many inquiries regarding another company's game, where it's just like, why are why guys, why are you bugging the Pokemon company? <laughs> they know, yeah, they know it's out there. Uh huh. Uh huh. I also know that they like they that they can't. I'm sure uh, refer to it by name. So it just has to be another company's right. game released in January 2024. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, and, like, it, you know, ultimately, like, even if they are infringing on, like, the designs of those characters, um, you know, fair use is pretty tricky. And if the game has any sort of, like, satirical bent to it, which I think you can almost sort of inherently say that it does because it gives the characters guns, like, cute, you know, cute little Pokemon-esque characters, you give them guns, like, 
that's funny. Uh, there's like a hook there. Uh, so like I, I think it would be tough uh, unless it's like I don't. I, I just think it would be tough to to prosecute this. I, I think you're. I think you're right. I think they would have to show market like conf- market confusion, right? Like yeah, yeah. Because I, I think that's what they would have to prove is that oh people confuse this as a Pokemon product because it features this infringing character in a video game. And so people assume right. that it's coming from us when it's not. I think that's what they'd have to prove. And I think that would probably be challenging. Yeah, I think it would definitely be challenging, especially considering like um, the uh, the series relationship with Nintendo, right? I guess they're, they're on uh, like PC and mobile too. So maybe like that starts to um, uh, like muddy the waters a little bit there. But like they're just so clearly associated with Nintendo that like, to see something that even looks like Pokemon but is on like Xbox, you're like, oh, this is obviously a different thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Also, it doesn't really sound like they're going super hard into it. So it who does knows not. If, yeah. Who knows if anything will come of it? Maddie Makes Games is celebrating the six year anniversary of the release of Celeste with a new bite sized 3D platformer called Celeste 64 Fragments of the Mountain. Uh, currently only available on itch.io, but would be cool to see it release on other platforms. I looked this up. Um, so Celeste is like an indie platformer that released in 2017, 2018, maybe? Yeah, one of those two, yeah. Uh, that I really liked a lot and definitely mm-hmm. put put my platforming skills to the challenge. This seems like a like a full like rendering of it in this kind of like Mario 64 aesthetic, but I don't know if it's just a slice. Yeah, well, it's tough because the the game, as of recording, I think released like four or five hours ago, like re- really, really recently. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it is obviously uh, releasing on um, itch.io is like the most sort of direct way that you can release a game without like going through a bunch of uh, different red tape. Um, but yeah, I, I'll I'll be excited to like get more impressions of the game in in the uh, days and weeks to come because like the original Celeste is a like a genuinely special game both in terms of like the platforming challenges that it presents and like the way it sort of like tackles story and the story that it tells within it i think is all really good um so uh yeah i I would love to get into uh celeste 64 uh fragments of the mountain someday there have been rumors that a zelda themed land or ride would be coming to universal theme parks specifically islands of adventure in florida for a couple of years now, there's a sec- there's a section before there- we before oh, yeah, we go ahead, that, go ahead. just just uh, islands of adventure in in Orlando. That's the like the new Universal Park. No, so there's it's it's uh there was Universal Studios Florida that opened in like '93 or something like that, and then in 1999 they opened up a second theme park called Islands of Adventure, and so it's been there for a number okay. of years. And then now they're building a third theme park called Epic Universe. And so Epic Universe is going to have the Super Nintendo world that, you know, we see in uh, Japan um, with the Mario stuff and then the Donkey Kong expansion that's coming to uh, Osaka later this year. Are are they supposed to have the the Yoshi Dark Ride as well? They are. They are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And then... But so there's a there's a land in Islands of Adventure called Lost Continent that they just recently closed the last ride that was in that mm. section. So now there's like maybe a restaurant, but like there was a stunt show that closed a number of years ago. They just closed the last attraction. And so there's been rumors for a number of years that this is the area that's earmarked for Zelda um, 
if that eventually comes to Universal theme parks. And those rumors kind of like uh, heated up this week because Zelda series producer AJ Onuma was spotted in an Instagram video posted by Universal Studios Orlando that featured footage from the construction site of Epic Universe. So it's him in just like a split second. It's him and Miyamoto looking at something. Um, And uh, the video has since been like edited to remove that moment where he's in it. But, you know, I don't, I don't think that the rumors are that it's coming to Epic Universe. So, but maybe he was down there for other stuff because that's where Universal Creative is headquartered, is in Orlando. So maybe he was down there for other stuff and then took a tour with Miyamoto uh, to see Super Nintendo World at uh, Epic Universe that's under construction. Um, that yeah, that I mean that that that's all very cool. What else is at Epic Universe? Or so will be at Epic. Universe? Yeah, so it's going to open next summer, and the they haven't officially announced, but the lands that everybody are expecting are the Super Nintendo World. A uh, Universal Monsters Land called Dark Universe. A um, <laughs> hold on, hold stick, on. Sticking so with even, the branding. Sticking, sticking with, with the, branding. the branding. Yep. Man, I, I watched the first like hour of that Mummy movie the other night. Um, it's on Hulu it, now. They're like promoting yeah. it all the time. Yeah, that's where I watched it. Um, and it is uh, it is bad and like a total waste of Tom Cruise. Yeah, I think they. Uh, it's like what else do we call this area that has all these monsters? Sure. I guess we call it Dark Universe. But then it has a, it's supposed to have like another wizarding world, like Harry Potter area that's themed to Paris uh, from the like more recent movies. And then it's supposed Ooh. to have a How to Train Your Dragon uh, land. So those are. I mean, I guess if, if you're already casting good money after bad in the Dark Universe, you may as well <laughs> <laughs> also chase some of that Fantastic Beasts and where to find them money. Well, the 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 Dark Universe rides sound again. It's all rumors. They haven't announced anything. Like they're going to be pretty cool, and I don't think it's actually themed to the. Uh, like I don't think a Tom Cruise walk around is gonna show up or anything like that. Sure, or, or like a Russell Crowe, uh, Doctor <laughs> yeah, Jekyll. That's right. Yeah. Oh, what could have been? What could have been? <laughs> He's in that movie. Like, <laughs> oh, is he? They they like yeah. seed it. They seeded it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Uh, finally, the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences has announced that famed Nintendo composer Koji Kondo will be inducted into its Hall of Fame at the 27th annual Dice Awards on Thursday, February 15th. Kondo is quoted in the press release saying, quote, I am true. I am deeply thankful for being selected by Dice for this important award. It is a true honor to be recognized in this way, and I am extremely humbled. Thanks to the help from the many people surrounding me and the support from our customers and fans, I was fortunate enough to be involved in game music development for decades. I am grateful for everyone who helped and supported me. I will continue my efforts in the music and sound as- aspects of development to hopefully make everyone's game experience more enjoyable in the years to come. I love any uh, like from from the heart or off the cuff speech translated from uh, Japanese because we always get uh, turns of phrase like uh, I will continue my efforts in the music and sound aspects of development. It's uh, it's just it's just so wonderfully clumsy. Yeah. Yep. Um, and also very sincere. Yes, very very sincere. And you know, like, uh, are there other uh, video game composers in? the uh, Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences, uh, like, uh, like Hall of Fame. Like, yeah. Do you know what's kind of crazy is there is. He was not the first one, which feels like what, a no-brainer. What is going on? <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
Who else would be? Who's? Do you have? The, do you have it right uh, there or not? Let, let me let me see if I can yeah. let me see if I can pull it up. Because um, like Koji Kondo, like the Mario theme is like that's what you think of when you think of uh, like primordial video game music. Uh-huh. Um, uh Did it win our best Nintendo music contest? No. <laughs> Do we all feel good about that? No. <laughs> but, a, but a Koji Kondo theme did win. That's true. Okay, so so maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't have an extensive list, but the list that I do see does not include any composers. So okay. maybe he's the first? Maybe he's the first. That, that I, I feel better now. <laughs> he's the godfather of it. Like, I mean, you know, it's uh, every everything stems from, uh, everything music in-game stems from him. Totally. Uh. Uh, all right, Mark, let's get out of the news. That is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, uh, you should be in our Discord if you are not already there. Uh, send me an email, Society at, at gmail.com, gmail.com, and we will send you an invitation. Anthony DeLuca made our logo, which, by the way, uh, I just wanted to like shout out on, uh, on, on the mic here um, that uh, Anthony has also been doing the... Uh, uh, artwork for the um, mini series that we're doing on, on Patreon uh, and the one for NCS Arcade is real sharp, looking real good. Uh, head on over to the Patreon and, and, and check that out. Um, it's just a very good looking uh, little logo there for us. Completely agree. Knocked it out of the park. Uh, our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellery saying thank you for listening.